We're looking at chapter 8, and we have uh, really kind of entitled this whole section, verses 1 through 26, an eye-opening lesson. And last week, we focused on the first 10 verses of this, really looking at the compassion, the unprejudiced compassion of Jesus. And he is trying to cultivate this in the heart of the disciples. He is trying to cultivate this in our lives as we look at him and as we study it. And remember that there were uh, two very, very main points that were different than the feeding of the 5,000 several chapters before. There were a lot of little differences, but the main difference was the location. And that was that Jesus is showing his disciples that my compassion is not just for the Jewish people, but it is for the Gentile people. This was a Gentile audience. And so Jesus makes it very clear to them in his very direct statement. This was not just something that the writers observed about Jesus. This was Jesus himself making this statement in verse number two, that I have compassion on the multitude. And he wanted the disciples to know that without a doubt, that the same compassion that he had on the Jewish audience, he has as well on the Gentile audience. And so that brings us to our text today. We're gonna pick up in verse number uh, 10. We'll, we'll, We'll start in verse number 10 and read down through 26. So if you're able to stand for the reading of God's word. Let's do so this morning. Verse 10 says, and straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, why reason ye because ye have no bread? In other words, why are you talking about not having bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have you, have you your hearts yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. And do you not remember? Maybe mark that line in verse number 18. Having eyes, see ye not. Because he's about to give them an illustration of this. When I break the five loaves... Uh, among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took he up? They say unto him, 12. And when the seven among 4,000, Jesus is distinguishing these two accounts here, how many baskets full of fragments took he up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? And he cometh to Bethesda, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him, besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw odd. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it. To any in the town. Father, again, as we come to your word, we pray, Lord, that you would be our teacher, that the Spirit of God would open our eyes today, and Lord, that you would teach us the truths of your word. Lord, remind us today of the authority of it. Uh, Remind us today, Lord, that it is our 
ultimate authority, the divine authority for our life. And Lord, as we think of that, we come underneath its authority this morning and surrender our lives to you. We come honestly before you. Search us, O God. Know our hearts. We come hungry, desiring to hear from you today, uh, from the bread of heaven, from the bread of life, something that can give us uh, spiritual satisfaction. And Lord, we come humbly today realizing who you are and who we are. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us individually today. May we not look at the person beside us, but may we look inward at our own hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Remember, again, as I mentioned last week, that this is leading up to a very uh, climatic section of Scripture, which we will cover next week. But as you remember, we're coming up on this passage in verses 28 through Uh, 29 where Jesus is asking the disciples who do people say that I am who are the people saying that I am who do you say that I am verse 28 and they answered John the Baptist some say you're John the Baptist some say that you're Elias and others say that you are one of the prophet and he said unto them but whom do you say that I am and Peter as the spokesman for the disciples made this important claim which we will talk about next week he answered them thou art the Christ the son of the living God you are the Christ you are the Messiah so reviewing quickly last week we saw that Jesus was teaching them a lesson on compassion And we studied and we talked about this in our faith groups this morning, a wonderful time. But the difference is that Christ-like compassion, and I'll just mention these, is not merely sympathy. It's not just feeling sorry for someone. Christ-like compassion is not merely empathy. Uh, It's not just putting yourself in the place of someone. Christ-like compassion is unprejudiced. And again, he's been teaching Uh, this to them in the last several chapters as they've been going through this Galilean region tour. Christ-like compassion is evidenced by action. And we talked about that is the key difference, is that there is action behind it, that it originated with uh, God. And, And Brother Noel brought out a great point this morning in faith groups that we see that even in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and God came looking for them. You say, what was he doing? He was having compassion on them. He he was making a way for them to come back into relationship with him. And then Christ-like compassion grows through serving others and giving selflessly. And so Christ-like compassion acts on behalf not of just those that we have things in common with, but Christ-like compassion teaches us to show love and, and show action to those that we have nothing in common with. In fact, on those that we have been brought up, many of us, being taught to look down upon. And so in our section today, Jesus is going to uh, give us a lesson on spiritual blindness. And by way of introduction to the topic of spiritual blindness, I want to just lay a foundation by, by mentioning several things about spiritual blindness. And the first of all, uh, the first thing is that every person is born into uh, the world spiritually blind. No one is born being able to see spiritually. That's why none of us are born Christians. Our eyes have to be opened to the word of God. And so this is the condition. All of us, all of sin, there is none righteous. All of us are blind. We all are born into this world spiritually blind. 
And then the second thing that I want you to get in your heart and mind this morning as we talk about this is that spiritual sight only comes by one source. You cannot get spiritual sight by multiple sources. There is only one source, and this is not just my testimony. It is the testimony of the Scriptures, of the Word of God. John says in John 1, 4, and 5, In Him, speaking of Jesus Christ, in Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness And the darkness, notice this, the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus is called the light. By the way, not only is he called the light, he called himself the light. In John chapter 8 and verse 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. And he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In other words, the only way out of spiritual darkness, the only way out of spiritual blindness is to follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus is fine with you being religious. Jesus is fine with you doing good works if that is what you are counting on to get you to heaven. As long as you reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And what we have been seeing as we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark is that time and time again, the light, Jesus himself, is right there in front of the Pharisees. He's talking to them. He is teaching them. He is doing miracles in front of him. And the one that had been prophesied that was going to come to them, their Messiah, the light of the world, he's right in front of them. And they're blinded. They're blinded. Although he is right in front of them, they have the Old Testament scriptures that prophesied of his coming. They had the law. They had the the prophets telling them. They had the ordinances and the covenants. And then the light comes in the person of Jesus Christ and stands right before them and teaches them and they don't see it. It's as if they have blinders on their eyes. And it's not just the Jews. It was the Gentiles as well. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Notice, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. God has revealed it unto them. This blindness and darkness is so profound that, that even when exposed to the truth, they suppress it. Chapter 2 of Romans says that the law of God was written in their hearts. And then you think about creation around us as if it doesn't speak itself of, of God. And so Paul writes about that in verses 20 and 21. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because that when they, listen, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was what? Darkened. Darkened, they turn away from the light. It says of the Gentiles in Ephesians 4, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Notice this phrase, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Why? Because of the blindness of their hearts. 
Because of the blindness of their hearts. Isaiah and Jeremiah, Old Testament prophets, said this. People have eyes, but they see not. Jesus repeated it in our text today. Proverbs says, the way of the wicked is darkness. Blindness and darkness characterize all of us before faith in Christ Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation, condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Notice, for everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be revealed and reproved. So spiritual blindness is the universal condition. But here's the, the point that we'll see in the text today. Although it is the condition of all of us, we will all fall into one of two categories. Either permanent blindness or temporary blindness. I'm thankful that I was only temporarily blind. But as we see in the text, there will be those who are permanently blind. For some, the blindness is forever, illustrated by the Pharisees in our passage. For others of us, it was only temporary, illustrated by the disciples in our passage. And uh, we're going to look at the parallel of this in Matthew a little bit as we go through it. Matthew chapter 16, if you want to hold your place there. But last week, we looked at a lesson on compassion. First of all, today, look at this, a lesson on the permanently blind. We see this in verses 11 and uh, 11 through 13. This is the final conflict of Jesus and the Pharisees in Galilee. From here, Jesus will go down to Ju- Judea, Jerusalem, for the final months of his life before he goes to the cross. And up to this point, there have been invitations extended to the leaders of Israel to believe. And from here, by and large, we will not see that again. From here on, the disciples are the focus of both the miracles of Jesus and the instruction of Jesus. And we're leading up to, again, this this monumental passage coming up where Peter proclaims, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is their statement that the blindness has been taken away. The spiritual blindness that they even grew up blind thinking that this religion was going to get them to heaven. This statement that you are the Christ, the son of the living God is a turning point. On the other hand, The Jewish leaders are on a hunt to kill Jesus and their spiritual blindness, by and large, it is permanent. Those who follow him know that they are, the disciples know that they're making a break with their former religion. They are in essence repenting of their faith and their religion. But there are those who refuse to turn to Jesus Christ. They refuse to repent of their apostate religion. And we see them right here in verses 11 through 13. They love their self-righteousness, Tim, which has become their chief sin. They love their self-righteousness. They love thinking that they can work their way into favor with God. And as Jesus makes his way back into the Jewish territory, as soon as he arrives, who is he greeted by? The welcoming committee of the Pharisees. He comes back into their territory and there they are waiting on him. Greeting them. They are relentless. They hate the light. They hate the message of repentance. They hate the message of grace and faith. Why? Because they love the sense of achieving their own redemption. 
As always, they want to discredit Jesus publicly. And let me just point out a few things here quickly uh, about those who are the permanent rejectors of the light. The first thing that we see in the text, or in the story, I should say, is that they unite against Jesus. They unite against the gospel despite their differences. Mark doesn't give us this detail, but if you go to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 1, you will notice that it's not just the Pharisees that are after Jesus here, but it is also the Sadducees. The Sadducees and the Pharisees. And what is significant about that is that, yes, they both hated Jesus. Yes, they both were out to get Jesus, but these were really arch enemies. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had, had nothing in common other than their hatred for Jesus Christ. Theologically, they were on opposite ends, but their common blindness, their common darkness ties, to, ties them together. Uh, they, their only thing that brought them together and unified them was their hatred of Jesus Christ as the light. You see, evil company is better than righteous company, even if the evil company is your enemy. And as a test, they want him to do a sign from heaven. The reason for that being because the Jews' superstition was that uh, God could do signs from heaven but, and miracles from heaven, but any miracle that was done on earth or uh, on the land was simply a miracle that was given power by demons. And so they come to Jesus to test him, do a sign from heaven, do a miracle in the sky, stop the sun, bring fire down from from heaven, eclipse the moon. And the insinuation is that the miracles that he does are not from God, but they're from Satan. And the truth is that they did not need more signs. That's why Jesus refused to give them more signs. Do you remember that it was one of their very own rabbis, one of the chief rabbis of the Pharisees in John chapter three, when he comes to Jesus, Nicodemus himself said, we know Jesus that you are from God because no one else could do these type of works. Even their own rabbi realized that this was from God and not from Satan, but this is how deep their darkness has become. And it really leads us to the second point. Not only were they united despite their differences against the gospel, but we also see that their darkness deepens. Their darkness deepens. The more evidence, look, the more evidence that you give them, the deeper they go in their darkness. Jesus had given them sign after sign. He had created food for the masses. He had created eyesight for those that could not see. He had created hearing for those who could not hear. He had created vocal cords for those who could not speak. He had created life in the the limbs, the legs, the arms. He had created all of this right in front of them. He had stopped the, the, the winds and the waves on the sea. He had raised the dead. And yet none of it was enough for them. Jesus says, actually, that he is going to give them one more sign, but they won't believe it either. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 and 40, it says, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. I'm going to give them this one last sign. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And by the way, when that sign came, 
When Jesus rose from the grave, just like he said that he would, and word got back to the leaders of Israel, what did they do? They went and found the guards who guarded the tomb, and they bribed them to lie about what had happened. They were determined that they would not see the truth. Be not deceived, church. Listen, Satan is on an all-out mission to keep the eyes of the unsaved eternally blind. He is here with the glorious gospel. He is here with the light, but he has come up with every scheme possible. His agenda is to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy He has come up with every way possible to get you and and the people in our society to doubt the authenticity and the authority of the word of God. Because a person who denies and doubts the word of God is in a dangerously blind state. They have deified themselves. They have made themselves their own authority, their selves their own God. They refuse to believe the light that has been given Their darkness deepens. Be careful. Listen, if you're here today and you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, you've never had spiritual sight, I want to warn you today that the more you reject, the more you say no, the darkness deepens. God's mercy will not always be available. I thank God for God's mercy. And if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart, praise God because his mercy is extended to you again. His grace is extended to you again. And then the third last last thing and sobering thing that we see about them is that they are condemned to eternal darkness. It's sobering words in verse 13 and it's speaking physically here. But I also believe that it certainly has a spiritual implication because he doesn't come back to them in the same way that he did. And I would encourage you to mark these words in verse number 13. And he left them. And he left them. Yes, it was physical. But it was also spiritual. Like Romans chapter 1, it says Jesus gave them up. And that is a sad commentary on a people who refuse to see the truth of the gospel. The Bible is clear about this, church. Listen, God will not always deal with man. God will not always give you an opportunity to come. And that is why, if you're here today, I beg of you not to leave without spiritual sight. And it's so easy, it's so simple, it's simply turning in repentance to Jesus Christ as the Son of God, putting your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection, and saying, that is what I believe in for my eternal destiny. Like the, the Pharisees, the whole world is full of people who think they're spiritual, but they live in total darkness. This is a lesson on the permanently blind And boy, my heart's prayer this morning and as I was studying this was, God, may there not be anybody in our audience today that hears this, that rejects it and remains permanently blind. The third thing that we see and thank God for this is that there is a lesson on the temporarily temporarily blind. In contrast to the permanently blind leaders of Israel, there was a small group of men and women who saw the light and followed the light, and they are known as the disciples. I want you to get this picture in your head this morning. 
Here Jesus is. He's leaving the land where the the Israelite leaders are, and he is getting into a boat. And we see here that the disciples turn their back on the darkness. They turn their back on their former religion, and they follow Jesus. And while the leaders of Israel make their final verdict that Jesus is not their Messiah and Savior, while they reject him Finally, another group will accept him as we will see next week. Who do you say that I am? We say that you are the Christ. That is our decision. That is our decision to turn our backs on the establishment of religion. That is our decision to take the blinders off of our eyes. And in doing that, they turned in repentance. And blindness for them was only temporary. They were once as blind as the rejectors. They were once as blind as the Pharisees. They were once in that same crowd. But as John Newton wrote, I once was blind, but now I what? See. I once was lost, but now I'm found. The disciples have forsaken all else. Because of that, they will be thrown out of the synagogue. They will be disowned by their families and their friends. But we notice some things as well about the disciples. And let me give you these three things quickly, and you'll see the contrast. They were comfortable with the light. The Pharisees were not at all comfortable with the light. In fact, every time he came around, they got very uncomfortable. But these disciples, they're comfortable with him. That's why when they're faced with a a choice to either stay there with the religious uh, Israelites, the leaders of Israel, or to get into the boat with Jesus, what do they do? They get into the boat. They're more comfortable around the light than they are the darkness. This is why, by the way, the maniac of Gadara, if you remember that story, that after He was a changed man. Everything about him was changed. You remember when Jesus was run out of there and he was leaving that area that the maniac said, I want to go with you. I don't want to be in this darkness. I want to be in the light. Listen, church, and you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are more comfortable in the light than you are in the darkness. A change happens in your heart and in your life. And by the way, if you are much more comfortable in the darkness than you are in the light, that's a good sign to you that you are still in spiritual blindness, still in the darkness. Jesus begins to teach them, and it's a warning. Verse number 15, notice, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And this is a warning against the influence and the power of false religion and politics and secularism. The legalists, the Pharisees, and the secularists secularists, the Herodians. And this is the first warning that these disciples needed to hear. Paul would later write in Ephesians, do not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, because this is the, this is the temptation for new followers of Jesus Christ. This is why, let me stop here and put a commercial in. This is why discipleship is vitally important. We are not just to see people come to faith in Christ. We are to teach them in the word of God so that they are not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that comes. I thank God for those in this church as I look around here who have been saved in the last year and year and a half. And guess what? They're still here today. You know why? Somebody has poured into them. They have discipled them. 
They have taught them the truths of the word of God, and it thrills my heart to see. They, they don't understand what Jesus is saying here. The leaven, of course, is yeast, and the yeast makes dough expand by bacterial corruption, and that's what Jesus is speaking of. In fact, the majority will be in one of these groups as we go on in Mark's gospel leading up to the cross. Either the religious legalism that are rejecting Jesus or the secular politics rejecting Jesus. And guess what? They all come together underneath the umbrella of rejecting Jesus. When you come to Christ, you make a clear break with past ideologies. And I wish I had the time here to give personal illustrations of this in our church today, of people who have completely made a break with past ideologies that they had been brought up thinking were true. But when they began to see the light of the scriptures, it, the, the blinders begin to come off. That's what happens when you're exposed to the light. They were comfortable with the light. Secondly, they were led to greater light. So those in permanent darkness were led to deeper darkness. Those who receive sight, they are led to greater light. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 12 reveals that when Jesus said leaven, that he thought that they were talking about actual bread. He thought, they thought that he was saying not to eat leavened bread. And really, it's a little bit humorous because while Jesus is trying to give them this warning, this very important teaching, they're thinking about lunch like a lot of you are right now <laughs> while I'm trying to give you this warning. They're thinking about what are we going to eat for lunch? They completely miss the point. We see that they did not see completely clearly at first. They had to be taught the word of God. Yes, the blinders were, were taken off. But in the goodness and patience of God, they, like you and I, are led to greater light. Aren't you thankful that we have the opportunity to grow in the knowledge of God's word? And let me just say, just because you are given light doesn't mean that you are going to see like you and I should see. Because that, that is determined by our exposure to the light, to the word of God. To Jesus Christ. So if you minimize your time in God's word, if you minimize your gatherings with the saints and with the believers, don't expect to see as clearly as you should. The disciples are sitting here wondering how they're all going to get lunch with just this one loaf of bread. Let me remind you, Jesus has just turned a few loaves and a few fishes into a amount of food to feed thousands. How quickly we forget. How quickly we forget the power and provision of God. In the stress of the moments, and I'm guilty, in the stress of the moments, how quickly we forget the great provider. Listen, I don't know where you are today and what you may need, whether it's spiritual or emotional or physical, but sometimes remembering God's faithfulness in the past is the greatest way to view the present. If God has been faithful in the past, guess what? He'll be faithful today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he has provided for you in the past, he will provide for you today. 
That's why he said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't take you any thought what you're going to eat and drink. The disciples needed this reminder. In Matthew's account, he says, then they understood that he didn't say to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the Pharisees. Jesus is the great discipler, and he just moves them along. He's the patient teacher. He just moves them along to greater light, clearer vision. And that leads us to the last thing. Thank the Lord that they are permanently with the light. They're permanently with the light. And we have to go, we have to continue in this gospel to see this. But at the cross, they are there. At the resurrection, they are there. When Jesus commissions them to take the gospel to all the world, they are there. Now, they had moments of doubt. They had moments where they wondered if Jesus was who he said he was. But in the end, they gave their lives to this Messiah. They gave their lives to the gospel. And by the way, today, they are in his presence forevermore forevermore. Jesus is the light of heaven. Let me recap it. Everyone in the world is born spiritually blind. All of us, we're all in the same boat. But all of us are either blind permanently. Listen, we're either, we are either blind permanently or we are blind temporarily. And here's the good news. The gospel offers sight to the blind. Today you're here, a God-ordained appointment to hear again the glorious gospel of light. And Jesus alone is the light, and whoever puts their faith in him, turning from all others, will not walk in darkness. Not ever. You will permanently be in the presence of the light. And then Jesus closes with an illustration, and we're done. In verses 22 through 26, and we could preach a whole sermon on these verses, but we're not going to today. I was expecting a lot of amens there. (laughs) This is an illustration of spiritual sight, as he just taught about. And an interesting point that that Mark points that the other gospel writers don't is that it's a two-stage miracle. I believe, in my opinion, and I'll state that it's my opinion, that it's demonstrating the disciples seeing, but not everything clearly at first. They believed they had turned from the darkness and walked into the light. Listen, a year and a half ago when Miss Cindy put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ, she she didn't know all that she knows today. But she knew this, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I know enough to know that. I think that he's illustrating here, they didn't see it all clearly. But guess what? After the cross and the resurrection, they saw it a lot clearer. They saw it a lot clearer. And Jesus illustrates that. And I want you to to understand, make no mistake about it, that Satan has a clear agenda for your life. And Paul laid it out so clearly in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. In whom the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. He doesn't want this message to get into your hearts. 
He wants you to leave here blinded, just as blind as you came in. Wherever there is spiritual blindness, you will see rebellion. And it was in my life, it was in all of our lives before we came to sight. It is rebellion. There's often immorality. There is pride. There's an unteachable spirit. And listen, you can, you can in the middle of the day put a sleep mask on. And you can pretend that the light is not shining. But it's still shining. The light is here. And he's offering today sight to the blind. Say, how does that happen? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You could just say, you will have sight. That's the way to have sight. Faith in Jesus Christ and repentance. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Father, thank you for your word. It is so clear to us. Thank you for the increased light that you give us through your word. And Lord, I pray that if there is someone here today that does not know you, and even in this moment the enemy and the armies of Satan are fighting against them. God, would you convict them in such a way that they today step out by faith and put their faith and trust in you. If you're here this morning and you say there's never been a time where I've come to faith in Jesus Christ, I've never had spiritual sight as you described this morning, I want to encourage you right now where you sit to simply do what we talked about in Romans 10, 9, and 10. And that is with your mouth to confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Now just repeating these words, they won't save you. But if you will truly mean from your heart these words and, and, and desire in your heart to turn from your sin and turn from your faith in all others to faith in Jesus Christ, he will save you. We don't do this every week, but if you're here this morning and you've never done that, I would encourage you right now to simply from your heart pray this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and the wages of my sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And today I am accepting that gift of salvation. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose from the grave. And today I am repenting from all others and turning in faith to you. I am trusting you as my Savior and Lord of my life. I wonder if you're here this morning, no one's looking around but me, but if you've never done that before and you did this morning and you meant it from your heart, would you just raise your hand and let me see it and let me rejoice with you? Is there anyone like that this morning? Just raise your hand. I won't embarrass you. Anyone? Maybe you're watching today. If that's you, I want to encourage you to reach out. Let us know because as we talked about this morning, it's so important for you to grow in your faith and grow in the knowledge of God's word. Let's stand together, and Brother Brian's going to lead us in a song. The altar's open.
this morning. If God has spoken to your heart, those who are going to be baptized this morning, you can go ahead and make your way and prepare. On the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me. My Jesus set me free. Look at the wounds that give me life. Grace flowing from His side. No greater sacrifice What He's done What He's done All the glory and the honor to the Son My sins are forgiven My future is heaven I praise God for what He's done second verse. Sing for the freedom he has won. Even death is dead and gone. His life has overcome. Speak, say the name above all names. Over every broken place, he is risen from the grave. What he's done what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son, my sins are forgiven, my future is heaven, I praise God for what he's done, sing that chorus again, what he's done, what he's done, what he's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what He's done. I praise God for what He's done. Amen. You may be seated. Let's continue to worship together uh, for just a minute as we are uh, preparing still um, for uh, the baptism. Let's sing the old rugged cross. Let's sing this together. On a hill far away, sing it out, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame.
to see all these children up here on the stage. Amen. I tell you what, this is better than a hot roast for lunch. This is worth the roast getting cold for, isn't it? This is Caleb to Dora. This is Brother Charlie and Miss Trisha's grandson. And Caleb, uh, through our children's program and through their teaching and at home, he has come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we met several weeks ago, didn't we, Caleb, and talked about baptism and how this doesn't save you, but it's like putting on a a spiritual wedding band and letting everybody know that I'm not ashamed of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, Caleb, are you coming today to tell all these people that you're not ashamed, that you are a child of God? Yes. Amen. Caleb, because you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior... And desire to follow him and be obedient to him in baptism. And let the world know that you are a Christian. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. This is Caleb's brother, Trevor. And Trevor has also come to faith in Jesus Christ. Man, you're taller than me. Now I'm going to have to reach out. You can step down, step down one step back. There you go. I don't like people being taller than me. Caleb has also put his faith in Jesus Christ and is here today to identify in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Trevor, because you've put your faith in him and desire to be obedient to him now in believer's baptism, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. I can get through this one. This is Emerson Fink. And uh, two years ago, we were praying that he would live battling leukemia. And God has brought him through it in a wonderful way. Used to go to the hospitals in Nashville, and he and I would do sword fights together, right? 
we have some cool videos of that. But this year at Vacation Bible School, Emerson for years has been hearing about Jesus and putting his faith in Jesus. And this year at Vacation Bible School, Emerson came to faith in Christ. And he prayed and trusted Christ as a Savior. And Emerson, are you today going to let all these people know in the world know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Amen. Emerson, because you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and desire to follow him in baptism, be obedient to him and let the world know, I baptize you, my little brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. This is Hank Williams. I mean, Hank Wood. Hank William Wood, or William William Henry Wood. This is, uh, of course, Karen Chris's son, and many of us know that that Kara and the boys have recently come to faith in Christ and are are now identifying with Christ in baptism. And uh, Hank is coming today to do so. He's got his cheering squad right here. Hank, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? And do you desire today to let the world know by baptism? Amen. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. This is better than lunch, amen? This is Kara, and this is a testimony really to our preschool and daycare. They started putting their boys here in the preschool and daycare and And they started coming to church. God began working in their heart and their lives. They've come to faith in Christ. And now she works in our daycare. And uh, what a wonderful testimony uh, of the Lord's grace. Kara, have you come today to publicly identify your faith in Jesus Christ? Yes. Amen. Waving at all the fans out there. I'm going to move this so I don't hit your head. Church, if you rejoice with Kara, say amen. Kara, because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and desire now to let the world know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Brother Brian, close us in prayer. I hope you'll be back this evening. Uh, If you are interested in singing in the choir, we'd love to have you at choir practice at 445. 445. And uh, man, they were such a blessing this morning. And then our service tonight at 6 o'clock, we'll be in Psalm 46 tonight. If you need encouraging, I encourage you to come back tonight, Psalm 46. 
God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. So let's come back tonight if you're able to. Brian, dismiss us. Father, we worship you for what you've done today. We thank you for the way that our hearts have been challenged. We thank you, Father, for the way that we have seen you move through your scripture. God, I thank you for the light in my life. Thank you that when I was in darkness, you shed your light into my life, that you convicted me of my sin and helped me to realize that I needed to live in the light. God, I pray that these kids that are all on this platform, God, someday soon, all of them, all of them, Father, would accept that light, that they would see their need for you as their Savior, and that they would come to faith in you. Thank you for those who diligently pour into them. Thank you for the staff and the folks here in the church that continue to do everything they can to pour into this body of believers. We worship you and praise you for it. God, we thank you that we now have five brand new brothers and sisters in Christ that we can uh, identify with. We thank you for meeting with us today. We thank you, God, for what you're going to do through the rest of today and tonight. And we look forward with anticipation, God, how you're going to continue to live our lives. Help us to turn everyday conversations, even today at lunch, into gospel conversations for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.